Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. This is Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach with a fantastic interview with one of my favorite topics. I'm all into marketing and growing business, but you know, what I always tell people, especially new entrepreneurs, if you aren't selling anything, you don't have a business. I don't care how nice your office looks, how glossy your business cards look, and however awesome you look, if you're not selling anything, you have no business. So we're going to be talking about sales today. Uh, and my guest is Chad Sanderson, who has been leading sales and marketing teams to success for over 20 years through his proven and predictable value selling framework. Chad has been named a top five emerging training leader. He's worked in sales, built teams, achieved targets, both within organizations and as a consultant. He cuts through the outdated theory-based, what we call fluff so often attributed to sales training, it gets down to the nitty gritty with kind of a raw, no BS approach and a perspective to look at really what's working and what's not. And, and that's what he does. So I'm excited to talk to you, Chad. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, man, I was just commenting in our, our little chat. So first of all, your microphone sounds awesome. And then <laughs> for, for listeners, we're, you know, if you're timing this interview, it's going to be just a couple minutes short because Chad and I got off on our, I told Chad we live in a boat. We're talking about these various people we follow on YouTube. So anyway, we're going to make up for it with quality. So Chad, I'm, I'm curious. So when you, uh, did you go to college after you got out of high school? Did you go to college initially or? Oh yeah. So I, I went to college. I went, uh, you know, I probably went through four or five majors uh-huh. <laughs> before, okay. before in the first I, year <laughs> in the first, yeah. Well, in the first two at least. Okay. And then, uh, settled actually, believe it or not on, a um, English, a communications degree and came out of college, uh, and went into marketing of all things. Mm-hmm. So was, was in marketing for, I don't know, eight years or so, uh, climbed the ladder was running, um, marketing for a software company and then looked across the table one day and said, you know, these salespeople, they make a hell of a lot more money than I do. And they get to solve really complex problems. And that sounded like a really interesting approach. Uh, So I jumped from running a a marketing team, a global marketing team to becoming an individual contributor and have not looked back. It's so cool. And one of my, one of my former jobs, I worked for a sales training company that happened to be a company that was tied to Sandler, but they kind of did their own thing. And, um, I had a, I have a background in franchising also. And so anyway, this, the owner of this company took me to this meeting with a high value uh, client that had been with him for a long time. And he said, you know, maybe you can help me. They've got some issues between, you know, kind of marketing and sales. And so we're sitting at this conference table on one side was marketing and business operations. On the other side was, I think about four or five salespeople. And they, they looked at each other with such disdain, <laughs> like, <laughs> like the marketing is, we're giving you all this marketing. How can we not close in sales? And the, and the salespeople are like, you don't understand what it's like out there. So it really is almost two different worlds. It's so funny how we often do a sales and marketing, sales and marketing, but it's really two different things. 
Well, and it is, but I would say today, and what I'm one of the things that led to my success in sales, there were really two things. One was that I understood marketing. I understood how to leverage it. I understood how to do analyst relations and leverage the information and the insights to make the connections, right? To, to see the opportunities. And then having been trained in the value selling framework, it was key to me being able to consistently uncover another person's perspective, uh, communicate effectively. So it all tied together really nicely with my undergraduate degree. What was really funny was I literally took my first individual contributor job, I think about 72 hours after I graduated with my MBA in marketing. And so decided, decided, okay, I just invested all that money in that uh, lovely advanced education. And so now I'm going to go do something completely different. <laughs> it's so, it's so interesting. So this, I think at least twice, if not three times in our short uh, interview so far, you've said the word contributor position, which I think is pretty accurate. I mean, when you, you know, when you run a business, you have a lot of different positions which are necessary, but they're also direct expenses to the business. And really the only one that's contributing is sales. Yeah, it's well, and I, and I would say if you're running your own business, and it was funny because I go through my career, do the executive thing, build teams and all that stuff. And when I came back to value selling, you go from being an executive to basically running your own, you're running your own business. So I had to do marketing, I had to do operations and finance and, and, and what makes the most money, what puts the opportunities in the pipeline and fills the funnel is that sales component of it. If we can find ways to combine some of the strengths from both sides, how do I create in, in, uh, interest or trip a curiosity circuit in a potential prospect's brain? Uh, that's more on the marketing side, but if I can do it in a way that aligns with my sales process, then I can fast track it through the funnel. But it is a lot of hats to wear. There's no doubt about that. You know, one of the things I think is going on today and, and either agree with me or correct me if, from your perspective, but I think people are going way too fast from, hi, I'm Jim. Do you want to join my expensive coaching program? <laughs> I mean, it's like, man, they, they just put up a website, they throw an email out there and the opt-in is like an application form instead of showing value. Do you, do you find that as well? Absolutely. I think people have a tendency to think that, um, you know, it, whatever your business is, you're invested in it. You know, you're, you're living it, breathing it, blood, sweat, and tears, all, you know, whatever cliche you want to throw out there. And so it's natural, I think, for people to want to talk about themselves and what they're bringing to the table before they stop, slow down and ask somebody else, what is it, you know, what are the challenges that they have? What do they think they want in an optimal solution? And we, we jokingly say when we work with clients, you need to slow down to speed up because the, the tendency today is to have, we have so much input coming in. We have so much, you know, data. Everybody's attached to their phones. Well, I mean, unless you live on a boat and you're outside of Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Everybody's attached to their phones and there's this constant onslaught. Uh, and we've built these experiences on these devices that allow us to control what we want, when we want it, how we want it. And so people have become more and more focused on themselves. Well, it makes it more difficult from a sales perspective. When you come at them talking about you first, it naturally shuts people down. And so if you just slow down and ask some questions, actually listen, be present, uh, you can uncover what they find valuable and connect to that, which at the end of the day is going to provide much larger deals, much longer term relationships with those individuals you're selling to as well as between your businesses i've had i've had people because i kind of track i mean i've been i started my first business 2001 got into the online world in 2006 where i really started you know able to track things but one of the things i've i've noticed is that 
people, well, I've always believed this, people buy when they're ready to buy, when their circumstances are correct and or you've done a good enough job providing, you know, uh, trust and value, et cetera, then they'll make the decision. And so your job is to constantly be in front of them, but also keep providing value. I mean, between, in my own case, my books, my videos, I, I jump on, like I did before I interviewed you on my Facebook Live and stuff like that. And um, just this long going thing in my own small little business here. You know, I've had people that were four or five years later after they either first met me, downloaded something, heard me speak, that then they become a client. And somebody that's coming to my event in Orlando next week first connected with me like 10 years ago. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, oh, that's the new record, right? <laughs> you so, have to have those relationships. And those relationships, what's interesting is because people can access your content, they can access you, they, they build a perception of you based on the quality of that content. Is it valuable to them? Are you providing them things that they can in turn, turn around and, and capitalize on? You, you know, 10 years, that's the longest one I've heard, but I've, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I've had clients where they've listened to our podcast or they caught something I wrote four or five years ago and out of nowhere I get a LinkedIn message and they write it as if we've known each other since we were 10 years old but from their perspective they have been immersed in in our That's right. content and our unbeknownst to you they've been following you yeah. yeah and it drives a great great deal of of connection and then of course the tendency is if if you get that if you're if you're lucky enough and have worked hard enough to get that then don't talk over them. Let them, let them talk, yeah. let them tell you their story. It, you know, you're obviously a sales professional. So my, um, my, uh, I don't know what you would call it, but I have an expression, which is probably not in your, uh, not your lexicon, but I call it the icky factor. <laughs> and as soon as you cross into the icky zone where you go from being, you know, somebody who, who has knowledge, um, has a product or service or whatever, and you're simply answering questions, explaining, and, and, and also sharing value, giving, giving, serving, serving. But the minute you cross into the, to the, you know, Hey, want to buy now? Hey, what if I give you this? What I, and I have nothing against sales where, you know, it is a negotiation. Let's be honest about that, especially if it's, you know, high value stuff. But once you, people will automatically flip a switch internally. This isn't my belief, Chad. They'll flip a switch and go, oh, this guy's good. I like him or this gal, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, oh God, they're, they're really trying to close me hard here. I don't know that I'm ready. That's the icky factor in my world. Oh, absolutely. And, and it's, I mean, nobody wants to be sold to. Nobody woke up in the morning and said, ah, oh, I hope a salesperson calls me today and like blabbers on about a whole bunch of crap I don't care about. But they wake up and they're focused on the problems they have to solve, the things that they need to get done. And the minute you try and push rather than guide, you're not creating value. You're actually introducing friction into the relationship. And everybody wants a frictionless experience these days. They want it to be about them on their terms, helping them get better, um, you know, we could talk, we could talk about the social impacts of that, but it's because, you know, largely because of the digital world that we've created, people have much more control over that. So if they're not in a place where you can, you know, connect with them and, and ask them questions and instead you come at them full force, it's kind of like, um, I don't know if it's appropriate analogy or not, but you know, it's kind of like, you know, asking somebody to marry you on the first date. Yeah. It's just too, it's too fast. No, I agree with that. In fact, I used to, before Facebook and everything, I, I don't know if you remember in 2009 when that Kodak flip camera came out and everybody's ah, like, I do. Yep. I still have, I've seen my storage unit, but I'm like, everybody now can do video. 
And one of the things I learned just from marketing, even previous to that, was you got to have good headlines, titles, etc. So I actually titled one of my videos, uh, you know, uh, oh, I know it's dating after marriage, and um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so you, you triggered something there. But dating after marriage refers to once you have a customer, you got to keep dating them. You know, it's like you can't take your relationship for granted. Well, you can't take customers who've already given you money for granted while you go get more new ones, right? You've got to keep you got to keep the relationship alive, which is a lot. I teach retention-based marketing, stuff like that. But anyway, I, I digress. I will, I'm very interested in the, um, in, you know, the value selling formula. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, first and foremost, I, I have to say, and I, I got trained originally 18, 19 years ago in this. And uh, I told the CEO back then when I wasn't part of the company that uh, I thought it was a really poor name because really what we're talking about is a communication framework and it's a framework for consistently uncovering another person's perspective. So we use, uh, you know, a lot of the sales methodologies or approaches out there all have great stuff in them. Uh, I, I find them to be a bit heavy at times, right? If I'm, if my job's to sell, that's what I want to do. I want to sell. I don't want to spend a lot of time filling out a bunch of overhead stuff. And what happens is you find, you know, salespeople have happy years. They hear one problem they think they can solve. And then all of a sudden they're off calculating commission, right? They're like, Oh, I'm going to, I know exactly what I'm going to do. The value selling framework is basically just a, a set of tools, very simple set of tools that's designed to drive consistency in the way that we communicate with other people to uncover their perception of value and connect what we bring to the table to it rather than trying to get convince them that what we have is valuable to them. It's a subtle shift. And there's a primary tool we call a value prompter. Uh, I'll shoot you over a, an image of it after, after we get done talking. But that value prompter is then inspected by what we call the qualified prospect formula. And it's basically four questions that you can ask to understand where you are in any given relationship and or deal without telling yourself stories, right? We have a lot of times I hear sales reps and individuals say, oh, well, this deal is going to close because we had a great coffee. We like the same, you know, French roast and like all of this crap that has nothing to do with the deal. Uh, they, they tell themselves these stories and, and they kind of read into it. What we need to do is remove that and really just be able to analyze where are we in a consistent conversational way of driving to a, a shared vision, to what we call a vision match. Uh, so that we can get them from where they are today to the point in the future where they're going to realize the value of solving the problems we're going to help them solve. And the dream, the dream at the end of the day, the, the goal, rainbows and unicorns, is that this framework allows people to be consistent because that is the one thing that sets people that are successful in sales apart from those that aren't, is the consistent behavior in your relationships and in the prospect and clients. And our tool set allows that. I have a, a good buddy who, um, I guess it's about nine years ago, started a, a, a printing business, which nine years ago, printing, printing companies were really hurting. It's, <laughs> it's kind of like cameras. When a good camera came out, you don't need a photographer. Well, when digital printers came out, you don't need a full-blown printer. But anyway, he's done very, very well. And he's, I mean, really well. But he says, Jim, the thing that still gets me, even though, you know, he's got 30 employees now, he's doing really, it still gets me that the first of every month I'm starting over. You know what I mean? That's the way oh, he yeah. looks at it. Like you're all, you just, you have a good month and now you got to build to build another one. That's the hard part about sales. I think is the mindset. 
Oh yeah. It doesn't stop, right? It's, it's constantly, you constantly have to be in a mode where you're looking to find people that have, or are focused on problems that you can actually help them address. And, and even in, you know, our, our business is professional services. So if, if I have a client, you know, we work with Adobe, let's say, uh, and, and I'm working with Adobe. I've been working with them for years, but every year you're still in a sales process for contract renewal. You know, how many people do they want to train? Where do they want to train them? Uh, how do they want to engage? So, then I've got, I've got a, you know, account manage, let's say, keep those customers fresh. And at the same time, I still have to be prospecting, continually prospecting. Uh, we teach a, an approach called vortex prospecting that allows us to ensure we're continually surfacing new people, new conversations, new opportunities to solve, solve problems and provide value. So on your website for the ver, uh, value selling is eliminating discounting and growing deal size. I know we don't have a whole lot of time, but talk about eliminating discounting. That's the, people just seem to expect discounts. How do you get away from that? Yeah, it, it's an evil word. I, I'm not a big fan <laughs> of the word discounts, right? So now I'll be the first to admit, I do do incentive-based pricing, but there's a difference. And that is, I'm not going to give something away for free. If I'm 100% convinced that what I'm bringing to the table and what I'm providing to the market is fairly priced and that the ROI is, uh, is proven, which is easy enough to do, then I have to be able to have the confidence in my approach to understand, number one, there is such a thing as bad business. There, there are some clients that are, you know, are not going to be profitable. So we need to be very realistic about that. We also need to make sure that we are, you know, on the same page in terms of what problems we're solving and the ROI that that individual we're selling to believes they will receive. It's not about us telling them. We have to get them to tell us what's the ROI. And then it's more about a quid pro quo. So let's say if uh, an engagement's $100,000 and they only have $80,000 in budget, uh, I'm not going to lower my price. What I will do is, uh, in our case, we actually do shared value models. So I'll say, okay, well, uh, you have $80,000. I'll take 20 grand and I'll set it aside. And we'll put that 20 grand aside based on metrics of success that we agree upon. And if you see some improvement, sure. Great. We'll give, you know, you pay us a part of it. You hit the targets that we set, you pay us the 20 grand. When you blow it out, you pay us a multiplier on top of that. And so that's one way of doing it. Another way would be, you know, if, if I need to fuel my marketing funnel, uh, you know, somebody needs a, needs a quote unquote discount. Hey, I can't give you a discount, but I know what's valuable to me is I need a case study a reference. I need a video case study. Would you be willing to do that? Because that's value to me as well. I think it's the confidence to say, look, I know what I'm bringing to the market is valuable. I know they're going to see ROI on it. And then to be able to say, you know, there's other things that I need for my business to continue to grow it that could also be valuable. So it's discount is a word where you give away stuff for nothing in exchange. I would rather have a, you know, a quid pro quo where we're both getting something of value. Doesn't necessarily always have to be monetary, um, but it's also okay to say no. It's also okay to walk away from business if you're prospecting enough and, and are consistent and maintain your you know, potential pipeline, then it's okay to say, you know what, this just isn't gonna work out. It's not gonna be a win-win. Right, well, I think we've heard enough of the word quid quid pro quo. <laughs> I couldn't. I didn't know what I was going to say that out loud or not. But the word is rude forever. Hey, Chad, I'm curious about um, accessing decision makers. That's one thing that a lot of um, small business owners that I work with, you know, I, it's hard to get to them. First of all, you know, the gatekeepers. Whether you're, um, you know, you, you can't 
you can't phone call and they don't answer their phone. It's hard to get to them. They got screeners on their, you know, their email and things like that. Do you have any tips for how to actually get connected with the decision makers? Yeah. When we, when we work with clients, we teach, uh, I didn't name it, but it's called the power toolkit. Uh, and so there's multiple tactics that you can use. One of the ones that we teach is called modus operandi. So if I'm starting a conversation with someone and I know this is not the power person, the ultimate DM, I'm going to go ahead and upfront say, Hey, just so you know, not right now, but before we, you know, as we progress through this, it's the way we do business. I'm going to have to have a conversation with your boss, not right now, but at some point in the future. So I'm going to set that expectation up front. So that's one approach. You have to use it early in your conversations. You can't use it later. You get into that icky factor as you right. were talking about yeah. earlier. Um, the other thing is bargaining, right? And, and this is again, where I think a lot of people that are in sales positions have a tendency to think that they're subservient in some way to the dollar. And so they are constantly just saying yes to everything that a prospect or someone asks for, where what we need to be doing is being very consistent and very focused on making sure we make an, a reciprocal ask for something there. If they ask us for a referral or a reference or even to change a meeting, we need to have kind of a list, a give to get scorecard where we can say, hey, I'm happy to do that. Happy to provide you a demo. If we do that demo and it goes well, can I go ahead and, and ensure, get your commitment? that I can talk to your boss and we can run through that. So it's not thinking in the moment, but thinking about the relationship as a whole and understanding there are parts and places where you can negotiate for access or plan access to that individual. And if that doesn't work, then you need to be able to prepare that individual who's going to carry the message, the person who's going to have the conversation. We call it a CX minus one conversation. So if I'm going to send my person that I'm talking to to talk to the business owner, it sounds different than if I say, Hey, you know, I was talking to, I was talking to Jim and he, you know, he lives on a boat and he's awesome. And, and they go up and down the East coast. And I think we should do business with him. That sounds a lot different than, Hey boss, you told me to go solve this problem. And I was working with Jim. He actually pointed out a couple other problems. We weren't aware we had, we all agreed this was the ideal solution. And Jim actually came up with some other things we needed to do and working with him, we were able to determine this is how much value the organization is going to get back. That conversation sounds a lot different. And that's actually a result of using that value prompter tool so that we can then prepare them to go have the CX minus one conversation. Uh, it sounds great. I love both those. Um, I love the scripts that, you know, when you, when you get something that works, um, there used to be a guy, Gary Halbert was a uh, direct response copywriter. And, um, he taught this thing called concert pitch and it, it, it's probably 15 years ago, but when, you know, when teleseminars were getting big, of course, then they morphed into webinars, but he said, what you want to do is when you're doing sales calls and you really get it to where it just works every time he goes, that's like to a vocalist, that's concert pitch. And that's when you record it and you script it and that's what you train from. So what you just gave is, is one of these scripts that probably works probably a, a high percentage of the time. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's about having the conversational fluency to be able to manage the dialogue, right? Effectively manage the dialogue. We have a tendency to, to just let conversations go where they may. And, and okay, that works sometimes in building trust, credibility, and rapport, but we all have one asset we can't get any more of, and that's time. So one of the things we want to do is make sure we're being respectful to ourselves and to the people that we're working with by ensuring that we're, you know, we have a GPS for our conversation. We're getting to a point where we can decide to do business together and or that now is not the time and we need to go a different direction. The value prompter tool allows us to train individuals to have that conversational fluency so they can consistently manage the dialogue. Well, that's awesome. Chad, I could talk to you for another half an hour, but the 
clock won't let me do that. <laughs> How can people connect with you either, you know, online or your website, email, whatever you want to, whatever you want to share? Yeah. The easiest way is to find me on LinkedIn. It's just uh, in forward slash Chad Sanderson. You can't miss me. Uh, bald and beautiful red goatee with platinum highlights. Uh, <laughs> if you could also shoot me an email at chad.sanderson at com, or I'll even go one step further. You can give me a call. My phone number is 303-834-5932. Well, isn't that a unique way to connect with somebody? <laughs> And how would they do that? Is that called a telephone? It's called, it's this thing in their hand. It has a phone app on it. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. Chad, I really enjoyed our conversation today. Thank you so much. Same here. I appreciate it. Hey folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Chad Sanderson. Uh, if this podcast is the only way you're connected with me, you can fix that at getjimpalmer.com, getjimpalmer.com. Uh, until this time next week, another fantastic interview. I am Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach, and you take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free dream business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.